1: This evening's reading is from 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 1 to 12, and I'm using the NIV translation. I'll just give you a minute to find that passage in your Bibles. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets, who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Good evening. Uh, My name's David Day and I worship here at St Nick's. And this evening we're going to start a new series uh, on one Peter, which comes at the end of the New Testament, and we'll be looking at that for the next ten weeks or so at the 6:50, at the 6:30 service. So here's Peter writing to Christians. How to begin? Well, it's fairly easy, isn't it? You just say "Dear Christians in Durham," and you type it out. Oh no! In the very first line of the letter, he uses three technical terms: elect. Resident Aliens and Diaspora. Well, did you really think he was going to ask you about your new haircut, which looks as if the dog did it for you, or how many times you ran up and down the stairs at home? Nevertheless, uh, three technical terms in one verse is a bit much. Take diaspora. It's not a word we generally use, but the idea is easy enough i took a milk bottle out of the fridge last week just an ordinary milk bottle Uh, exactly like this one except it was full of milk as i took it out the edge just touched the shelf so i dropped it Uh, it didn't break but it fell on the floor and the contents went everywhere inside the fridge of course inside the lining of the door of the fridge which wasn't so funny on the doors of the kitchen units on my shoes and socks and some drops practicing social distancing fell at least two meters away by the cooker. That's diaspora, the great scattering and the Jews knew very well what it meant. They had lived once in Jerusalem, and then the Babylonians took the city, burned it down, destroyed the temple, and deported the people away to prison camps in Babylon. This was the great scattering, the explosion, and the Jews never forgot it. That takes us to resident aliens, the second of these technical terms, or strangers, or immigrants, or foreigners. How did these Christians get to Asia and Cappadocia and Pontus and Bithynia? Some probably were ex-army, others had been kicked out of Rome by the Emperor Augustus, others drifted around somewhere in the trade routes and finally settled somewhere in these five Roman provinces, which has been calculated as being about 300,000 square miles. But they would all have understood what it was to be an alien, a stranger, a foreigner, not not from these parts. Long way from home. You see, people like to remember where they come from. It's part of their identity. I sat next to someone once uh, who I took to be a Palestinian because we were on the bus going into Jerusalem. And being friendly, I said, hi, how are you doing? And he said to me, I come from Birmingham, I've been on edge. Just watch the international matches at rugby and the rugby players singing their anthems, hand on heart, Scotland the brave. Top of the voice, if you're well seen, glad, glad, plaid you all Vim him, glad. The land, the land, I am faithful to the land. No one celebrates St. Patrick's Day with as much fervour as the Irish. That's the Irish in New York, because your homeland defines you. It gives you your identity from time to time. Someone says to me, you don't come from down here, do you? That's not a local accent. And I'm tempted to reply, nah, I'll come from North London, innit? Now notice what Peter is doing. He writes to the Christians and calls them strangers, immigrants, resident aliens. What he's saying is all Christians are resident aliens. When you become a Christian, you become a citizen of another country. In Christ, you are a new person with a new passport, a new father, new brothers and sisters, new family and a new king. Because you've had a new birth. It was a brilliant image to use. A new person with a new king. And that meant a new set of values and loyalties. And Peter just touches on one of the results of that. Because people who don't belong are nearly always treated with with suspicion. The strangers are are marginalised by society. They're threatened or mocked. Their customs and habits are despised. And they're basically down at the bottom of the social ladder There will always be conflict between the dominant culture and the outsider, between the stranger and the values and priorities of those who hold the power. I read this week of a woman who has converted to Christianity from her native faith. Her husband is furious and beats her regularly, but she stands firm. But it was always like that. Here's a cartoon. I hope you can see it. Yeah, it's okay there, isn't it? It was found in Rome, uh, scratched on a wall, and dated around the second century AD. The writing's not very good, but you can see there's an English translation at the bottom, and it says, Alexaminus worships his God. And it's clear that it is a snide attack on a Christian who is shown as worshipping a crucified donkey. You see, nothing changes. If you're a Christian, you're likely to be attacked for your faith. Modern research has produced a list of the top 50 countries where it's hardest to be a Christian. These are countries we read about in the newspaper. North Korea, Sudan, Iran, Somalia, Pakistan. 45 of those nations were registered as very high on the persecution level. Last year, the journal Christianity Today noted that India, rather sadly, entered the top 10 for the first time, while China rose from number 43 to number 27. For many Christians, particularly the ones in Europe, of course, the The problem may be a different one. One theologian comments, many Christians are not distinguishable from the surrounding culture. They have the same divorces, the same addictions, the same entertainment, the same fashions. Ouch. They probably don't get much in the way of persecution. In fact, one commentator wrote, the more I study this letter, by that he meant 1 Peter, the more alien, it seems, to the interests and the projects of mainstream Christianity. Ouch, number two. Now, Peter is going to say more about suffering for the faith in the main body of the letter. He doesn't dwell on it in page one. He goes somewhere else. Having touched on being strangers and then suffering for faith, his third move is, is, is to introduce the idea of praising God or blessing God. This encouragement to bless God is intended to help those who suffer for being Christians. But it seems to me it may also help those who feel a bit guilty because they are so much like their neighbours that no one could tell that they were Christians. And that's where I want to go next. Our Bibles start with, Praise be to the God. And that's an okay translation but i prefer blessed be god because it's borrowed from the jewish habit of prayer jewish prayers begin more often than not blessed are you o lord our god king of the universe so here is peter the galilean fisherman using this pattern for his prayers just as paul did in one of his letters and suggesting that it may help those who suffer. It may also help those who are going stir crazy because of lockdowns, or are deeply sad because they can't get close to someone they love, or those feeling rather guilty because they've let their commitment to God slide a bit, or even slide a lot. The key, says Peter, is to live in the blessing. To marinate your soul in it. To marinate is to soak something in a marinade. You you might read it in a a cookery book. Uh, The beef is to be marinated in a marinade of red wine. It means spend time here going over the words slowly again and again. Let them soak in. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does Peter say? In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. We have all been made new people, born all over again. Remind yourself of the moment when you realise for the first time, it may be at school, it might have been a summer camp, it might have been at university, but you realise for the first time that you were a new creation in Jesus. Peter goes on, we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Think about it. When we feel that life has nothing to offer, when we are crushed by misery and very depressed, let the word strike home. The Lord is risen. And so am I. Peter goes on. He's given us hope. Not wishful thinking, not whistling in the wind, not pie in the sky when you die, but a living hope that does not let you down. God has given you a future, an inheritance, a land. And that land of promise can never be destroyed or defiled or subject to decay. That inheritance cannot be stolen or eaten by the moths, like a sweater that you've left too long in the wardrobe. Your faith, says Peter, your faith, which sometimes is a pathetic, whimpering little thing that the wind will blow away, is actually being guarded by God, who watches over it day and night. And on the great day, it will all come to a head, and you will experience praise, glory, and honor- the salvation of your soul. All this is the work of God, says Peter, who set his heart on you before you were born, that fantastic whose spirit touched your life, who met you in Christ Jesus, so that you encountered his grace, and gave yourself to him by whose blood shed on the cross you are saved. You don't see Jesus at the moment, writes Peter, but you love him. You don't see him at the moment, but you believe in him. And in those moments when the Spirit touches your life, you know what it is to be filled with joy, joy which cannot be caught in words. And the day will come when you will understand what Peter's great brother in Christ wrote, Paul, Eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those that love him. As the old Negro spiritual says, My Lord, what a morning. My Lord, what a morning. When the stars begin to fall. So live in the blessing soak yourself in the words take the picture language and let your imagination run free let it bring the words off the page if it's a song or hymn which sets these truths to music then sing it then play it or sing along with somebody else find the great prayers of the past which speak of what god has done and learn to pray them again Turn to the liturgy of the church, which sets these truths in language which has the power to take hold of a life. Live in the blessing. Peter never ignores the facts of our situation. He never says that "Mm, suffering doesn't matter or that it will not be painful or just ignore it. But he begins this letter where we should begin. We are constantly confronted with pictures of COVID-19, big red and purple footballs coming at you out of the television screen, footballs with sinister spikes and suckers all over them. At the beginning of this series, we deliberately turn our gaze away from them, all those images, and fix our eyes on God. Before we discuss anything else in this series, we begin where Peter does. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us a new birth to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. There is a prayer which the Church of England has produced for this present crisis, and it begins, Almighty God, who sent your Holy Spirit to be the light and life of your church, open our eyes to the riches of your grace. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham Podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's visit our website at stnicks.org.uk